Welcome back to another edition of Inside the Huddle Podcast with Brayton Zaprenant with Southern California Prep Insider, specifically San Diego Prep Insider, since we are in back in San Diego. And, you know, it took a week off last week. We're trying to get some coaches on and, you know, some, you know, it's difficult to to get guys on. It's later in the year. You got league games and, you know, you guys are all stressed out and busy and whatever. It's fine. It's cool. Um, but I did get Jason Texler on last week, so we're going to play that interview for you. Um, and then we had Coach Hines uh, yesterday uh, as part of the podcast. Is we're going to drop this podcast today on a Friday. I'm going to try to get it out there. Hopefully you guys are listening before the games. We've got some good games again uh, this week as we have in the in, in the last uh, couple weeks. These league, these league matchups are heating up. Uh, and we'll talk about some games uh, coming up in just a little bit. Uh, and real quick, I want to plug. It's a, sh- it's a shameless plug. Okay, it's a plug for myself. Um, the volleyball podcast uh, that's up on the San Diego Prep Insider. Check out the Instagram page and YouTube and all that fun stuff. But the volleyball teams, all right, guys. You know we know football runs. You know the fall time and it's the big sport and everybody goes to the games. But got to give some love to the volleyball girls um, because the top four teams are are kicking some serious butt right now and representing San Diego really well. I just wanted to give them a shout out. Tori Pines uh, is ranked top nationally as well as Cathedral Catholic and La Costa Canyon. So uh, Torrey Pines is sixth in the country. Uh, Cathedral's in the top 25 or 17 in the country. Uh, La Costa Canyon is 55 in the country and Scripture Ranch is 120 in the country. And, you know, you know, it's not top 25 for all of them, but that's still an impressive feat. And then in the state of California, Scripture Ranch comes in at number 24. Torrey Pines and, uh, LCC and Cathedral are all in the top 10, Torrey being 3, Cathedral being 6, and La Costa Canyon being 9. So I just want to give a little quick plug to the volleyball schools before I get total uh, scorched earth policy on you guys with all the haters out there, uh, you know, talking about some of these schools. And I saw a discussion this week on the Coach's Corner about why is Christian and Cathedral in the city leagues or so far away from all the city schools? This is ridiculous this is unbelievable they have to travel like an hour and a half to get to you know their things their games and their league games first of all let's pump the brakes okay let's 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 stop freaking out okay cathedral catholic and i I can't speak too much about christian because you know there has been discussions of them joining the grossmont league which would probably be a uh, a good call for them as well as uh, the grossmont league um and i'll touch on that in a second but cathedral catholic you know Despite being up in the North County, quote-unquote, they are still within the city limits of San Diego. And I was trying to explain that in the coach's corner, and, and most people just they didn't understand what I was saying, I guess. Look at the address. It still says San Diego, California. And I know that's so blatantly obvious, um, and, and I know where the location is, but they started off as uni high school across the street from USD they're part of the diocese of San Diego okay which is in the San Diego city limits they're still in the San Diego city limits when they were uni they were in the San Diego city limits that's why they are a city school so stop complaining that they they need to be in the north county it's unfair to all these other schools it's not okay it's really not, it's it's fair they are close to a lot of city schools uh, and, and I named a few, you know, it doesn't take them very long to get to Scripps Ranch. It doesn't take them very long to get to Mira Mesa. It doesn't take them long to get to University City or La Jolla. Okay. But the way the city leagues are worked, there's four leagues and the top teams in that, in the, in the city section, if you will, like, if you will, in the city limits of San Diego, the schools that are in the city limits. The top teams are in the Western League. It honestly doesn't take long for a cathedral to get to Madison, who's in their league. It takes a decent amount of time to get to St. Augustine, but we all know St. Augustine and Cathedral want to be in the same league every year to renew that rivalry. Lincoln's kind of far, I'll give you that one, but they're one of the better teams. Point Loma is kind of far, but not really. But I don't even know why we're having this discussion of location because there's a lot of there's a lot of different uh, location leagues that don't make any sense. But let's 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 focus on Christian for a second and the rumors about you know playing in the Grossmont League and how the Grossmont League didn't want them and all this other stuff because of recruiting. I'm gonna agree with Adam Paul in here because I've heard this um, you know rumor before uh, 
uh, and I'm not saying all the coaches are afraid of Christian, but there were some coaches that have been afraid of Christian for the sole purpose that they are a private school and that they can quote-unquote recruit. Guys, the school has 300 kids. I mean, what do you think? It's like adding La Jolla Country Day to your league. Okay, you're not adding St. Augustine or Cathedral Catholic. That's a big, a bigger school that has more resources. It's Christian High School. And guess what? You already have a private school in your in your league. It's called Helix. Yeah, I know Helix is a charter school, but they can get anybody they want, and nobody has to pay to go there. So enough with this recruiting BS. It's getting old. It's a tired argument. Helix can get any any kid that they want. Most of the city schools can get anybody they want because you can do a transfer within the city. Why do you think Scripps Ranch got so good when Lincoln closed down? Lincoln's athletes were then going to Scripps Ranch. Everyone has a special rule to get kids. Mission Hills, for the longest time, I do not know if this still is an effect, had open enrollment. That means anybody can go to their school. Torrey Pines has the most transfers in out of any school in San Diego. That doesn't raise a red flag. Torrey Pines, we're the neighborhood school. Everyone lives in the neighborhood. That's fine. But they get a lot of transfers, too. A couple years ago, the school that had the most transfers out was Cathedral. Nobody seemed to care about that. It's the misconceptions of what actually is going on compared to what people think is going on. Yeah, the private schools can quote-unquote recruit to get you to go there. But guess what? They have to do that for any student to go to their school. They don't have a district. Where, I'm going to ask you guys this, and you can comment below, you can comment on Cited, you can comment in the in the comments on the coach's corner. Where do you want the private schools to get their kids from? Do you want them to have a set district and only people near nearby those schools can uh, or nearby those schools can attend those schools, or do you just want them to not compete in any athletics altogether? Because I'm telling you right now, the majority, and I'm not saying everybody on the team, but the majority of Cathedral Catholic's roster and all their sports, and St. Augustine's roster and all their sports, and modern-day Catholic's roster and all their sports come from parochial school kids. They went to private school. They went to Catholic school before they got to high school. Cathedral Catholic has an intro at their school where the kids, they do the starting lineup and the kids say their name, the year they are, and the Catholic school they went to if they went to a Catholic school. And 70% of that starting lineup went to a Catholic school. In fact, five of those guys that are starting at Cathedral went to St. Michael's in Poway. And they're like, well, they should be going to Poway. Well, guess what? They were never going to go to Poway to begin with. Just like I was never going to go to Scripps Ranch to begin with. It's a different dynamic. I went to St. Michael's in Poway. I had a lot of good friends that went to that school from all over San Diego County. We had kids from Ramona. We had kids from Escondido. We had kids from Scripps Ranch, Poway. And when we went to go play Little League and play with our neighborhood our neighborhood kids... We didn't fit in. We didn't know any of those kids. We didn't play with them, you know, growing up at school. I hung out with a lot of kids from Scripps Ranch that went to St. Michael's in Poway. It was probably a handful of them. But I also had friends that lived up in Escondido. I had friends that lived in Poway. I had friends that lived in Rancho Penasquitos. It's different. So you can't claim those kids as your own because you were never going to get those kids anyway. And a lot of them have a, have a strong Catholic background. The other point I want to bring up is before we start judging other schools and saying it's unfair and they can do this and they could do that, maybe we should look at within before we start 
jump on other schools. And my point is this. They're not paying kids to go to their school. Are they giving them tuition assistance? Who knows? Who can say? I, I, I'm leaning towards yes. They probably give kids tuition assistance. If you want to call out a scholarship, go ahead. Call out a scholarship. But guess what? They're not full rides. They still have to pay to go to that school. Public schools are free. They are free. So regardless if you got to pay, and I saw the, the, the tweet this week. It's like, I know kids only paying $50 a month to go to the school. First of all, no. Second of all, they're still paying to go to that school. When you can go to the school in your district for free. So what is the main factor? Why are they going to these schools? What are they offering that is just so much better than what everyone else is offering? Because I've seen these chats, and I've seen you guys talk about this all the time. And they go, well, you know, my yeah, I, I went to public school, and I got a great education, and it, the education over there is not better. That's fine. And I think you could say that about every school. I think you can get a great education at any school you go to. If you work hard and you put the effort forward, you can get a great education at any of these schools. And it really doesn't matter. So if it's not for the education, what is it for? Why are these kids going to these schools? They might have better facilities, maybe. Maybe they like the coaching staffs better. Maybe they just wanted to send their kid to a, you know, a different school. But the thing is, you don't have the rights to those kids' decisions or those families' decisions just because they live in the neighborhood. And here's my thing. You can complain. You can moan. You can do whatever you want and say it's not fair. But at the end of the day... There's still 14 to 18-year-old kids. And those kids still make a decision on where they want to go. And I'm still baffled. I, I wanted to know what these schools are selling to get the kids there. Because I'm telling you right now, they're probably not putting a lot of effort in. The schools sell themselves. You're telling me if you had the opportunity to go play at a school like Cathedral of Saints, you're not going to go? Come on. Come on. And the other argument against it is, well, why don't you just put them all in the same league? This isn't the Trinity League, okay? This is not Orange County. They're not pulling people from all over the country. They're getting a couple kids here and there. And it's really not a lot when you look at it. Because, again, the majority of the kids going to these schools... Went to schools just like this in elementary school and middle school. I mean, you can go through all the, all the rosters, and when you come down to it, there's probably like five kids on each team that, that go, you know what, they kind of don't fit. And what I mean by that, you look, it's like, well, how did they get that kid? But five kids doesn't make a team. There's still a lot more involved. There's still a lot of other pieces, especially in football, and we all know this. I'm getting tired of this narrative of it's not fair, they can recruit. Another thing, go to these schools, go check those teams out in person. If Saints and Cathedral recruited, they would never lose. I mean, absolutely, they would be like the Trinity League schools and would never lose. And I tell you right now, they would never go 5-7 and seven like Cathedral did last year. Ever. So, that's my take on it. I, I, it's, it's, it's getting ridiculous. I think you would have an argument if we're talking about Orange County and the way the Trinity League works because there's a lot of interesting stuff that goes on up there. I mean, Jay Sarah Catholic up in San Juan Capistrano they got like five kids from San Diego that commute up there every day. 
That's a lot different. If the private schools down here were grabbing kids from Orange County, I think then you'd be like, all right, hold on. This is kind of ridiculous. But that's not what they're doing. So that's my take on that. Enough with the complaining about the private schools. Enough of the complaining about the recruiting season. Are you kidding me? The recruiting season? Some of the stories that you guys hear and people come up with are, are just, I mean, they're, they're laughable. I mean, you have to sit there and think about this for a second. It's like, yeah, I saw a cathedral coach. He was at a Pop Warner practice, and he offered him this. What? First of all, they're practicing at the same time as Pop Warner practices, so how does that work, first off? Second of all, what are they offering? You still have to physically get into the school. And it's got to be a fit for you. I mean, they're not like pulling strings to get kids in the schools. And they, at the end of the day, the families still have to pay to go to that school. Even if it was a scholarship, it would be the same price as going to a public school. It'd be free. I mean, it's the same thing. And don't give me this, well, they can get it for many. Every school has a special rule. Madison gets a lot of kids that get bussed in from other places. Just like a lot of city schools do. The North County has the biggest schools in the county. Think about that. All right, I'm done ranting for it. I'm sure I'll get tons of hate tweets and hate everything, but I, I just want to point out it's not that big of a difference. I will tell you this, though. I saw Dorian Crawford's tweet about why he was asking why North County schools uh, do fairly well compared to the city schools when the city schools have a lot more athletes. Unfortunately for the city schools, they don't have as many resources as the big schools do. North County schools have a lot of resources. They can get personal trainers, they have a lot of they can have a lot of coaches on staff. That's not that's now that is different. In terms of getting kids to go to your school, it's pretty much fair game with a little bit of tweaks. The downside of going to a private school, you have to pay. The, the loops that you have to jump through to go to a city school of transferring, it's probably a pain in the butt. But again, there's still limits on all on all schools. All schools have limits of what kids they can get, and all schools have special rules to get kids in. I mean, it is what it is. And they're essentially playing by the same rules. The only rules that are different are some schools are bigger and have more resources than other schools. And with that, I, I, I think you have an argument with that. Cathedral, Saints, Helix even, the North County schools have a little bit better resources than some of the small schools and some of the schools in the South Bay and, and that sort of thing. I don't want to dumb down. I don't want to uh, make the, the mood uh, bad at this point, but let, let's, let's move on. We're, when we come back, we're going to have Coach Jason Texler. We met with him last week uh, talking about some things and, and the great job he's done at that school up in San Marcos, followed up by Coach Hines. We'll talk about his big matchup against San Diego High. Uh, he's the head coach of the Coronado Islanders, and uh, he talked some good things about how well San Diego High or how good San Diego High is and what a great job Charles James has done uh, with the Cavers this season. So when we come back, we got Jason Texler. You're listening to the Inside the Huddle podcast with Braden Soprenit. Welcome back to Inside the Huddle podcast with Braden Soprenit on Southern California Prep Insider. I'm now joined by head coach of the San Marcos Knights, Coach Jason Texler. Coach Texler, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing well, doing well. Thank you. So let's get into it. Uh, 
and I ask every coach this every week when I bring them on, I, they're, they're different backgrounds of how they got into coaching and, and what made them get into coaching. For, for you, what was your story? How did you get into coaching, and, and why did you decide to become a high school football coach? Um, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I always loved football. Uh, you know, wanted to play as a, as a little guy, but I was just too heavy. And then uh, got into it in, in high school and – it was everything I thought I was going to be and more. And, um, you know, had dreams of, you know, of course, like every kid being a college and a pro football player. And, and uh, you know, when I kind of realized I was realistic, when I realized that, hey, I'm, you know, 5'10", 5'11", I don't seem to be growing anymore. And uh, I, I guess I just didn't think the University of Miami was going to come calling. So um, <laughs> I... I I knew kind of then that I wanted to still be involved with football. I was lucky enough to play JC football and, and play at a, at a one double a school, um, for a little while, but always knew I wanted to be a coach. And, uh, when I was just working and, and finishing up school, I, I started volunteer coaching when I, I was living in Nebraska where my wife's from. And, uh, that started in 1997. And uh, other than, you know, one year I, I have been, I've been coaching ever since. Talk about your transition from Nebraska to San Diego and, and all the steps you took in order to be a head coach at, at San Marcos. I know you spent some time at Helix and some other East uh, County schools. Walk us through that, um, you know, that progression for you and what you learned, what you learned along the way. You know, I've been real lucky. I got to work with some really good coaches along the way. When I was in Nebraska, uh, my first head coach was a man by the name of Dan McLaughlin, who's now the head coach at Wayne State, uh, Division II school in Nebraska. Um, and then I coached in Iowa for a year for a gentleman that was a career coach, state champ coach. Moved out here. I'm originally from San Diego. Um, and uh, so I wanted to get back and, and actually got a job at my alma mater, which is El Cone Valley, um, as a teacher. And they needed some help with JV coaching and, and I of course wanted to coach and, and, uh, coach JV for a year. And, and then, uh, they hired a new head coach and I moved up, um, to varsity. And, and, and then two years later I was the head coach, you know, sometimes the schools that are in need of coaches that kind of have turnover, um, you sometimes get thrust in roles that you might not really be ready for, but nothing gets you ready, like having to do it. And, uh, a coach told me one time, he can't tell me what it's like to be a head coach until you do it. So I got kind of thrown into things early. Um, the one thing I had going for me was I wasn't afraid to call someone and ask them questions. I was a you know huge football nerd in terms of going to clinics and reading stuff online and buying videos and, and, and hitting guys up and talking to them. Um, and that's never really changed. Uh, I'm definitely not a guy that feels like he's got all the answers. I'm always looking to try to improve. Um, and, and so, you know, along the line, I, I went from Elkhorn Valley to Helix as an assistant with the, the hopes of getting the head coaching job when it came open. When it came open, I, I, I lost to a gentleman by the name of Troy Starr. And, uh, but when I read his resume, I kind of knew he was way more qualified for the job at the time than I was. And so I reached out to him like, Hey, I'd really love to coach for you. I'm already teaching here. And, uh, really coach star was the one that really, I think kind of expanded my, my football knowledge. Um, and I owe a ton to him and, uh, and then was there for a few years, but wanted to be a head coach again. And, and an opportunity, uh, came open at, at Escondido and, uh, I, I, I took the job and, you know, just wasn't the right fit. Um, pretty early on that was that was evident uh administration just didn't like my style um and so after two years uh i was able to to move on and, and was lucky enough to get the job here at san marcos high school which was in a transition both uh structurally from a you know they were building a new school to making some changes uh athletically too so let's talk about san marcos and when you stepped on campus 
I mean, San Marcos up until about when you took over was not necessarily the cream of the crop when it came to San Diego County. Um, you know, multiple seasons of four and seven, and and just kind of hanging in there. But what 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 was the state of the program, the state of the school when you showed up? And were there a couple of things immediately that you wanted to change or you know put tweaks in? Uh, how were you able to build that program up? Well, you know, uh, when I got the job. I didn't know a lot of North County guys because I was still kind of new to the area, but I was really lucky enough to get uh, Eric Jorgensen, who had just been let go at Rancho Buena Vista after being a coach there for 20 years. He was the head coach for a few years. Um, And I was able to get him and a couple of his uh, coaches over here and then also was able to hire Tom Carroll, uh, the son of John Carroll, who was teaching in the Escondido School District and got him on. So, uh, initially, you know, probably the, the biggest thing I did was I went out and got coaches, um, coaches that are, are more experienced than I am or have knowledge in different areas than I do. Um, and I tried to just bring in the, the best coaches uh, that I could. And I was lucky enough to get some some other guys from, from around the area. Uh, I got Eddie Knuckles, who played over at Mission Hills, who's been a great coach for us. And uh, Sean Slade uh, was 15 years at Vista and he's coaching O-line. Um, so I, I surrounded myself with really good coaches. Um, and, and then just, we kind of went to work, you know, it, the, the school was in a massive transition, both, you know, because there was a new school being built and, and because they had kind of struggled athletically. Um, but with the new school came a bunch more kids. Um, and, and, you know, it, as much as, you know, I love X's and O's. It really comes down to the kids that you have that can execute those plays. And, and we were able to get in some, some good kids. We have some tremendous athletes uh, here at San Marcos. Um, way too many one-sport athletes. I think we'd be a much stronger program if we had some of these kids that play other sports coming out. But we had enough kids uh, get in, and we were at a, a lower level uh, competition-wise that we were able to have some early success. And whenever that happens, it gets more kids excited about the program. And uh, so every year we've moved up a division. Um, you know, our second year we went to the championship uh, in Division Three, uh, lost a close game, but that kind of really created some excitement and kids wanting to go to the new school. And and uh, so it's just kind of gone from there. And uh, and now you know we're in the toughest league, uh, in my opinion, in the county year in and year out. And, and so it, you know, our, our kids have to step up because every game's a big game and, uh, and they've done that. And, and my coaches have done a great job of preparing them. Let's talk about the kids you have on your team. And it's highlighted by quarterback, Miles Hastings, who, uh, is a little banged up, but besides him, let's talk about some of your kids individually that, that, that have done a tremendous job for the Knights so far this year. Yeah. Um, you know, well, first, uh, our receiver DB and then the last two weeks quarterback Dane Olson um, has done a tremendous job. He's been a kid that uh, was probably five foot seven, you know, a hundred pounds as a freshman. Um, and he has just worked himself into being a, a very good high school football player and uh, has really stepped up the last two weeks and, and um, you know, getting us wins when uh, miles has been out and uh, you know, we're going to ask him to, play quarterback again, you know, this week, um, as we continue, as miles continues to rehab, um, Quinn Roth, uh, our outside linebacker, defensive end, uh, my opinion, he's the best in the County. He's, he's got such a motor and, uh, we've heard from, from several teams we've played that, you know, on defense, they have to stop number 20. Uh, he's done a, a tremendous job. We have a, a, a really good group of young defensive backs slash wide receivers, Jalen Boehner, um, Xavion Reese, and Gavin Shervini. Uh, they're they're really good athletes. They're going to be getting a lot of interest from schools as you know as they kind of move through. They've done a tremendous job. A um, couple running backs. We had a kid that that was very small as a freshman, and he hasn't gotten much bigger, but he's he's a tough kid. Zach Frost, who's been uh, tremendous for us, and Aaron Narita, who uh, didn't play last year, but uh, has come back and, and really been a, a spark for us at running back. And then up front, uh, 
our offensive line, you know, there, there are a bunch of guys uh, that may not get a lot of college interest because they're five, ten, six foot. You know, we got one kid that's that's six four, but uh, they've really worked hard and they've become a, a really good unit. Most of them all started last year as juniors, and uh, they've really paved the way. Um, and then we've had some guys step up at linebacker after losing Josh Borns and Billy Balicki, uh, Mitch Barnett, Nick Typher. And then a couple transfer kids, uh, JT Dozier, Dosh, uh, Josh Dozier, have stepped in on the defensive side, and uh, Maverick Martin at strong safety. So um, it's a lot of kids that, that didn't play for us last year because they either you know were just behind really good players or different places or whatever, but they've all stepped up and, and really contributed. Let's talk about last week's win. It was arguably probably the best win uh, of last week for any team in San Diego County. You knocked off... Uh, a team that was, you know, ranked as high as number one in the county, coming in undefeated, La Costa Canyon. You do it without your starting quarterback. Uh, it was a 12-8 uh, game. I know as an offensive coach, you don't like only scoring 12 points, but what was the key to your success against La Costa Canyon last week? You know, key was our, our defense had to play great, and they did. Um, uh, we couldn't turn over the ball on offense, which we didn't. And then our kicking game uh, behind Caleb Mancini kicked two field goals punted the ball really well, kicked the ball in the end zone. And then uh, we had to take a safety towards the end strategically just to hopefully not give them the ball in, in a good place. And, you know, he has to kick from the 20. He kicked the ball 71 yards in the air. The kid caught it at the nine, dropped it, and then picked it up at the one, which gave our, our you know, uh, coverage team time to get down there and, and tackle him so he didn't get a good gain. So, yeah, it was just playing smart football uh, in all three phases. Um, and, and we were able to do that. You know, I, I know, um, they're, they're a very good team. I know they didn't feel like they played their best brand of football. And, and that's the thing, you know, Friday night, it's, it's kind of one of those deals that it, who shows up and makes the most big plays and it makes the least mistakes. So, uh, we, we were able to be that, that team on that side of the coin that night. Well, you said it best. It's arguably, you know, in your opinion, it's the best league, and to most people, it is the best league in San Diego County. Uh, you got El Camino this week, and they're they're coming in one and five, but you can't take a team lightly like that. So, what you know, watching film, what are some things that they do well that you guys need to be prepared for, and how do you get your kids uh, focused on a team like El Camino that's coming in one and five after a big emotional win the week before against an undefeated team? Yeah, El Camino would. What they do well is they put really quality kids on the field. Um, they're very athletic. They're fast. They're big. They're physical. Um, you know, when we started the week, I, I wrote up on the board all the opponents that, that El Camino has faced this year. Uh, Eastlake, Cathedral, Torrey Pines, La Costa Canyon, Point Loma. Um, and I, I might be missing one, but they, they've they arguably played the toughest, you know, maybe next to Mission Hills, who's played a lot of, you know, out-of-area teams, they play one of the hardest schedules in the county. So, yeah, their their record isn't an indication of what type of football team they are. And, uh, you know, as we've seen, any avocado team is going to have the talent to beat any other avocado team if you don't come with, with your A game. So we're going to have to come ready to play and, and not let a big win uh, – give us a hangover going into Friday night, or it'll be El Camino that that's celebrating at the end of the game. And so we just, we got to play 48 full minutes of football to be, be able to beat them. Coach Texer, thanks for joining me today. Uh, coach Texer, the head head coach of the San Marcos Knights. Big game against El Camino this Friday, and then they finish up uh, league play with Torrey Pines, and then they go out of league against Westview, and then they got the Discovery Bowl against Mission Hills, which I'm sure your kids are going to be fired up for. Coach, you're, you guys are in a good spot, and uh, for, the, for the open playoff potentially, good luck the rest of the way. Thank you, and thank you uh, for your coverage of high school football. Welcome back to Inside the Huddle Podcast with Braden Sprint. I'm now joined by Kurt Hines, the head coach of the Coronado Islanders. Uh, we got to talk to him a little bit earlier in the year. We're checking back on his 6-1 Islanders. Coach, how you doing tonight? I'm fantastic, thank you. How you doing? 
I'm doing great myself, and you know you got to be feeling great when you're when you're six and one and, and going into a big game against San Diego High. You know, last year wasn't necessarily the year you guys wanted, but talk about the differences between this year being six and one and last year kind of struggling a little bit. I, I, for me, I think the biggest difference thus far is we. It's a combination of two things, really. The guys are buying in. You know, when anytime you have a change in, you know, the head coaching uh, position. I was fortunate enough to keep uh, four gentlemen on staff who had been with the program for years. But with a new head coach, it, it's just a new system, it's a new chemistry, a new culture. So a lot of it is just having the kids buy into what we're, what we're selling. You know, it, it's, it's, it's been great to see the change, uh, even starting right after last season in the weight room, getting you know, greater numbers in the weight room. And part of it, very honestly, is we, we had some uh, young men moving, moving to town uh, three in particular that were able to make an impact right away, and uh, that that always helps. So it's a little bit of buy-in, and uh, you know the, the players. I, I don't care who you are at what level. You have to have players to make plays. So uh, that that's a part of it as well. Let's talk about some of those players and 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 who's who's been making an impact for the Islanders this year. Uh, you're talking about you know the players stepping up. Uh, who do you got specifically that that has been big impact uh, guys for you this year? Right out of the gates, one of them is Coulter Molzanato. He is a junior quarterback and uh, defensive back. He was in Coronado when he was in middle school. Military family moved away and uh, just moved back in town. Uh, just a football player. You know, we often say there are, there are young men that play football and then there are football players. You know, and he just has that, that strength, the desire to, to make a difference. So uh, he, he's been a big impact. John Rollins and, uh, is one lineman that no one's heard of. Uh, and unfortunately, most linemen, uh, unless they're you know, 6'5", 300 pounds, don't get heard of. But uh, he's an average size, but just another one of those, you know, he's a selfless team player. He, he just shows up to practice every day. He, like most linemen, just, you know, straps up the pads and, and gets to work. So, uh He's he's been fantastic, and uh, there's a you know another big not new to our program, but um, Bryce Alexander is uh, he was a quarterback last year, and he is you know a Mike linebacker and one receivers. He was quarterback by default because we needed him at that position, but he uh, he's been he's been phenomenal this year, just uh, on both sides of the ball. But he he likes to hit, and we couldn't use him as much as we want to last year with him being our starting guy. Before we get into your game this week against San Diego High, I want to pull up uh, you know, uh, something you tweet out on almost every Friday uh, and something that us at Prep Insider love, love seeing. And, and I mean, you, get, you can get all of us to, to run through a brick wall for you, uh, but you, you always tweet out, you know, looking for a street fighter, looking for a fight. What do you, where did that come about? When did you start tweeting that out? And, and, and what does that mean for you and, and for your team? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's funny. I haven't got me in trouble yet, and hopefully it won't. But, uh, you know, for, for me, when I talk about that, it, it's just I, I, I was not a punk growing up, but uh, I, I spent a lot of time getting in trouble and getting into fights. And, and that, to be honest with you, I, I just love it. You know, there, there's a certain rush that comes from, you know, punching someone square in the face and, and being punched, and, you know, that taste of blood and kind of coming back and not, not staying down. So that, that gets me amped up. The fine line, in all seriousness, is you know teaching your young men to to be ready for a street fight, but to do it with class and character. You know, just to play with the pads, never cheap, never dirty, never you know to to be trash talking. So it's it's something I live by. But that being said, tomorrow night, we, without a doubt, we are in for one heck of a street fight because that that's a very uh, physical team we're going to be going up against. Let's talk about how important this game is. I mean, it's a cross-league game, so it doesn't affect your your league playout. But, you know, playing a team like San Diego High in a cross-league, how, how much of an advantage is that in terms of finishing out league play and, and having to play this late, uh, potentially helping you out and, and, and gearing up for the playoffs? Well, that, that's just it. You hit the nail on the head. You know, it's, there have been other coaches in, in the school but uh, I don't want to mention sportsman so much, but with the best of intentions, I don't know if it's because it's, you know, 
it's not a league game. That, that's ridiculous to me. Every game matters. And I've heard coaches before you know, say, hey, it's never personal. For me, it's always personal. And, and I don't mean that in a in attacking or feeling attacked way, but I tell the guys, listen, every time you step on that field, someone is trying to stop you from achieving your goal. You know, so, so it, it's personal. And I, I, you know, preach all the time, as I think most coaches throughout the country do, you play Friday night like you practice Monday through Thursday. And whether or not this counts for standings, we're going to continue to play for the remainder of the season. And if we're fortunate to get into the playoffs, we're going to play in the playoffs as we do tomorrow night. So we, we've got to be ready for that straight fight. We've got to be ready for, hey, you know, if they take an early lead, 14 nothing. But let's see how we respond to that. That being said, we come out of the gates, and when we get on the board first, we're going to make sure that we continue to, to keep fighting. Let's get to the you know the last part of league play is coming up for you. Uh, you guys are in a great spot as of right now to, to potentially win uh, league. But you know, as, as a coach, what do you what do you feel like your team needs to accomplish? Um, you know, a couple stepping stepping stone goals in order to reach you know hanging a league league banner in your school. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing falls on our offensive coordinator, and, and I don't mind trashing him because it's me. Um, we're, we're leaving too many points off the board offensively. Uh, and sometimes it's execution by the young men. And obviously sometimes there's new play calling and, and just not, you know, film never lies. And sometimes I sit there on Friday night, as most of us do for God knows how many hours, you know, breaking down film. I'm like, ah, why didn't I freaking call this? Or why didn't I do that? Um, our, our, our players are playing. They're, they're playing with fire. They're playing with passion. We have to, well, we've got to stop leaving points off the board. Um, defensively, you know, my, my defensive coordinator, not my, but our defensive coordinator, Mark Davis, that man has been on the staff for 16 years at Coronado, and he is a godsend. I mean, he just, he's passionate about football, he's knowledgeable, he is everything you want in the assistant coach and more. He, uh, he's been having their guys do a great job, or our guys do a great job. So defensively, we just got to keep doing what we're doing. We, we gotta, you know, especially tomorrow night. I mean, those guys do not go down upon contact. You know, from San Diego High School, they don't go down with one player often, and they will make some really good players look really bad if we try to arm tackle or not, you know, wrap up. So defensively, we've been doing a great job. We just need to continue doing that tomorrow and moving forward. We're talking with Kurt Hines of Coronado, the head football coach over there, uh, right here on Inside the Huddle Podcast with Braden Zaprenant. And Coach Hines, before I let you go, I, I want to talk about, you guys have been doing some renovations over there uh, to help out the program in the school. Talk to us a little about what's going on over there at uh, the Coronado Islander land. Ah, now you're getting me even more amped up. So I just left the high school about 20 minutes ago, and uh, I always, you know, since, since we started that renovation, you know, poke my head in there. My, let me back up and I'll make this real quick. My first 17 years were coaching in New Hampshire, and I was a head coach for the last seven years before I moved out here. Final year, we were 11-0 in uh, Division One, the highest division in New Hampshire. Had gone to the state championship, did a fundraiser there for a new weight room, and we had built the Taj Mahal of weight rooms. And I was like, man, this, this is where I'm going to retire. And then our, our oldest daughter called. We have four children, and uh, she had been married earlier you know, a year or so earlier, and she said, hey, I'm pregnant. So my heart left you know, with joy, and at the same time it sank, so I was like, crap, I'm not staying here. So uh, when, when I came out here, I was blessed to get a coaching job at Christian High School for two years as an assistant, and when I, when I took the head coaching job last year at Coronado, um, I'm, I'm a firm believer. I, you know, I, I train our guys year-round, um, and I, I, I like being in there myself, not just to work out with them, but because that's where culture is built. That's where you can really have those conversations and keep on top of them as far as grades and their social lives and what's going on personally. So when I saw the weight room, I was like, man, we we got lots to do. So long story short, we uh, I reached out to the administration last spring, said, hey, can I get the ball rolling with this? And they, they were fantastic as far as saying, hey, run with it. So it's been less than a year, but we have the new weight room uh, up and almost running. We have a new floor. I got rid of all the machines and all the old school stuff that, you know, just dinosaur, you know, antique stuff. And uh, we have six Olympic half-rack uh, half platforms, and uh, I'm, I'm just thrilled. I mean, it's, it's something that is, is going to be more functional than we've ever had. And the, the goal, ultimately, is to get the young men to want to be in there all the time. And, and I want them to play other sports. I want them to be multi-sport athletes. But the guys that don't play the sports or when they do have the opportunity, I want them to 
take ownership and say, hey, this is our football field, this is our weight room, this is our locker room, and that's where the pride starts to come in, and that's when you start to have winning seasons year after year after year when guys really start to own their program. Well, I don't know about anybody else that, that's listening, but I'm fired up for tomorrow, and I'm fired up for Coronado Islander football. Uh, always great talking with you, uh, uh, Coach Hines. Thanks again for joining the program. We look forward to uh, talking to you again. Well, hey, you guys are fantastic. I appreciate all you guys do for, for, for us in San Diego football. So uh, appreciate you guys, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks again to Coach Texler and Coach Hines. Thank you the time to talk to us. Um, on the Inside the Huddle podcast. Let's get to uh, some matchups this week that we want to talk about. First off, let's go to the top 10 of uh, San Diego. According to Prep Insider, uh, Torrey Pines 1, Cathedral 2, Helix 3, Eastlake 4, La Costa Canyon 5, San Marcos 6, St. Augustine 7, Carlsbad 8, Granite Hills 9, and Christian number 10. Uh, for the Prep Insider top 10, again, we all know what rankings... Uh, do matter, and you know I like you know I vote on the Prep Insider one and the UT one, and the polls are fun. But the ones that matter, are the Cal Preps rankings, and uh, that's going to be determined the playoff at the end of the year. So uh, pay attention to those as well. But let's get to some matchups this week. Uh, the Metro Ma- uh, Metro Pacific League. I like the Montgomery Aztecs and the Castle Park Trojans. Uh, it's going to be a good game for league aspirations. Uh, three and four Montgomery taking on the Castle Park Trojans, who are also three and four. The game will be at seven o'clock at Castle Park. Their first home game in about two months. Uh, which is crazy. Castle Park leads the overall series 28-17-2. The last time the two teams met, uh, Montgomery won 42-14. Castle Park's been dealing with some issues with injuries and and low numbers, Um, so they're going to be fired up to play this game, but I think Montgomery's going to be just a little bit too much for them. I think Montgomery wins this one. Valley League, San Pasquale at Valley Center. San Pasquale is 4-3 on the year. Valley Center is also 4-3, a big matchup in the North County. Uh, San Pasquale leads the overall series 11-9. We know Coach Gilster is going to have his guys uh, riled up to play because, you know, his alma mater, Orange Glen, was rivals with San Pasquale when he was in high school, so it's going to be a rivalry game for him. This is a pretty good matchup up on the mountain uh, at Valley Center. Valley Center won last year 37-21. I expect Valley Center to win again this year. Um, but San Pasquale's got the single-digit numbers now, and they're, uh, they're playing with some swag. And uh, It's going to be a tough matchup. I think it's going to be a great game up there in the Valley League. Coastal League action. Santa Fe Christian at Bishops. 4-4 four and four, Santa Fe Christian taking on the Bishops Knights, who are 4-3. Santa Fe Christian leads the overall series 16-11-2. Bishops won last year 38-13 on their magical run uh, that they had uh, to the playoffs. And, you know, they're a really good team last year. So was Santa Fe Christian. They're kind of down years this year uh, for the two small schools, but it's going to be a a great matchup. I think Santa Fe Christian gets it done. You know, Bishops losing their quarterback early in the season hurt them. But, you know, the lineman that stepped in uh, for him, it's been the talk of the town. Uh, he's done a good job so far, so uh, look for Bishops to, to make this a close one, but I got Santa Fe Christian. San Diego High at Coronado. Uh, we're talking to Coach Hines about this matchup, and the Cavers are 4-2. and two. The Islanders are 6-1. and one. Uh, The first time these two schools met were in 1915. Uh, so it's long-term history between these uh, two squads. They've only played them a, a handful of times, though. San Diego High leads the series 15-9. and nine. Uh, last year, San Diego High blanked the Islanders 36-0. Uh, but Coronado 6-1 since 2008, so we'll see how this one goes. Uh, you know, Charles James is going to have his guys ready to go. Coach Hines, I mean, I'm ready to run through a brick wall every time I talk to Coach Hines and him looking for a street fight always. Um, so it's going to be a tough game for the Islanders. I think San Diego High gets it done, um, but I don't think they shut him out this year. Uh, give me the cavers in this one. Monta Vista at Santana. Grossmont Valley League implications. Monta Vista 6-1 on the year at 4-4 four four Santana. The game will be at 7 o'clock in Santee. Uh, Monta Vista leads the overall series 22-14-3. The last time these two teams met was last season. Monta Vista won 24-17. Uh, Santana's a decent team. Uh, defensively, they, they should be okay. But offensively, we we got to see what team shows up because they've been too... Uh, you know, tail two cities when it comes to uh, their offense. Uh, if the good offense shows up, they got a chance. If the bad offense shows up, uh, you know, Monta Vista might might uh, might blow this one out early. I'm gonna go with the Monarchs. I think uh, McClendon's gonna be too much for Santana, and uh, I think Monta Vista gets it done. Some top ten matchups. Story Pines is hosting San Marcos. We talked to Coach Texler this week. You know, San Marcos was in a tough game last week against uh, El Camino. 
El Camino is going to be the has got to be the best one in six team, you know, in the state with the way they their schedule is. But uh, look for this one to be close. If Sam Marcos's defense shows up, the one that showed up against the Costa Canyon, they got a great chance of upsetting. Uh, Tory Pines. If the one shows up to play at Oceanside, Tory Pines is going to win in a route. Uh, I think Tory Pines is going to win this game, uh, but I think San Marcos keeps it close. Cathedral Catholic at Christian. I lied. C- Christian at Cathedral Catholic. I mean, I should know this. I'm going to the game. It's homecoming uh, for the Dons. It's the biggest game probably ever in uh, Christian's history. They were saying that on the East County uh, Sports Report with uh, uh with uh, Ramon Scott, and um, you know it is going to be a big game for Christian, but you know it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough for them. I I, I envision Christian hanging around uh, early in the game. I think they're going to be fired up for the game, but uh, Cathedral's numbers uh, might wear them out later in the contest. Helix versus Grossmont. Uh, should I say more about this one? Helix is you know Helix is Helix, and Grossmont is down. Uh, Grossmont hasn't beaten Helix since 1991. And the last time they beat Helix, first of all, I wasn't even alive. Second of all, Tom Carlo was a starting quarterback for Grossmont, uh, and they won that game. And, and I'm pretty sure that musket that they that they share in that trophy uh, is bolted to the wall at Helix right now because of how many times Helix has won over the last you know 20 plus years uh, that it's been almost 30 years, uh, 30 years that it's been, um, which is incredible. So. You know, that, that game, I don't envision that one being very close. I think Helix is going to win in a route. LCC at Mission Hills. This is my upset special of the week. I think, uh, you know, losing a guy like Carson Lifford has hurt LaCosta Canyon uh, in this in the rest of the season here. Uh, look for the – it's got to be a close one. I don't think Mission uh, – obviously Mission Hills is going to blow him out, but the way Mission Hills played it last week against Torrey and, and just came up just short, uh, again, they must be the best 2-5 and five team in the state the way they've been playing. Uh, look for Mission Hill. I think they're going to beat LCC, but I wouldn't be surprised if LCC takes care of business. Eastlake versus Benita. Uh, I got Eastlake in that game. We already talked about San Marcos, Torrey Pines. Madison at or, uh, Madison and Saints. This is going to be a great matchup. Uh, defensively for Madison, uh, kind of struggling this year. I think Saints is going to be able to move the ball pretty efficiently, but the one key matchup is going to be the defensive backs for St. Augustine manned up against all the weapons that Madison has, and that might work in Madison's favor because Madison's got a lot of great receivers that are going to be tough to cover man, uh, manned up, and that's the way Saints likes to play their defense. I think this one's going to be close, and it, it's, I think it's going to be a shootout. Um, you know, It's going to be a Big 12-type game for uh, for Madison and St. Augustine out here in San Diego. Carlsbad at El Camino. Uh, Carlsbad should take care of El Camino, but that's I know El Camino has been giving people fits recently, so... You never know where you're going to get out of that one. And then Granite Hills, 7-0. and They're taking on El Cap. Uh, El Cap is another team that's, you know, their record is not in, uh, indicative of who you know who that team is as a team. They're going to be a scrappy bunch. They're going to give Granite Hills a run for their money. And if Granite Hills is overlooking El Cap to, to get to Helix next week, they might be in some trouble. But I think Granite Hills gets it done uh, tonight. So that that will do it for us. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. We'll have more coaches on next week. Thanks again to Coach Texler and Coach Hines uh, for taking the time out of their day to, to, to talk to us. And then thanks again to all the guys at Prep Insider. They're doing a great job over there at 1090 with their you know weekly show. They're t- twice a week show now, um, you know, bringing in a lot of guests and, and, and doing their thing on the radio. Um, and it, it's a great opportunity for all of us here at Prep Insider. So without further ado, I'm Braden Zaprenit. You've been listening inside the Huddle Podcast with Braden Soprano on Southern California Prep Insider. We'll see you guys next week. Enjoy the games tonight. <laughs>